everyone. Welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons, where we're going to be discussing things that are on brand and how to make sure the iron's at the right temperature. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. People have been asking me to bring those jokes back. So <clears throat> Gotcha. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, with me today, I, I'm still terrible in introducing people. Um, my friend, who are you? What, do you what, what have you done? Hi, my name is Kevin Petker, and I am a game designer amongst a lot of other hats. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I am an IT consultant. I'm an evil genius, and uh, I'm a longtime game master. I only use my evil genius hat for good, though, so uh, it keeps me in good stead. Excellent. So, just just so we can ask the question that we all want to know, um, how does one become an evil genius? Oh, you, you're 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 born to to it, or perhaps you aspire oh, okay. to it. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> it's like if you have dark thoughts. I mean, it's probably from my game mastering that I have discovered my talent for evil. Well, it's not a bad talent to discover. I guess the thing with being a, like a long term game or dungeon master. Um, is what you learn after many years of applying social certain social skills is how do I get these people to do the thing that I want or how do I make them think they've done the thing that I want them to do? Oh, a little uh, a little illusionism. Hey there, buddy. No, no, okay. You can have a little. You can have a little here. Okay, this is Kevin William. Do you want to say hi? Come into the frame, William, so I can see your face when I say hi. Yeah, he's a dad too. I'm a dad too. I've got an, a nine-year-old and can a six-year-old. Thank you. Huh? Okay. Okay. Now Do you I have any kids? I just the two. And yeah, me too. What's your other one? This is William. He's four. All right. I've got. Uh, yes. Hello, Joseph. Yeah, I've got Sebastian at nine and Freya at six, and that's yeah. What you made that motion you made? That's it. That was the... That's enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, Someone... We, we, we... <laughs> Sorry, after you. After you. No, no. We just we wanted a, a pair. And uh, we got our pair and we're good. We had two names picked out. And we got to use both those names. Nicely done. We, we had eight months of not sleeping. And Ooh. at 3.30 in the morning after number two. Um, so, yeah, after eight months of... Um, not sleeping at three thirty in the morning one night after being up multiple times, I just said to my wife, "I'm done. I'm not doing this again." And her response was, "Good, me neither." <laughs> yeah. Good talk. Good to be on the same page. Good to, good to be on the same page for that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that was um, that was how we made that decision. Kevin, now you have made a thing. Or at least you've made, made a, a thing that has got you quite a lot of, you know, internet notice. What yeah, is that thing? Buzz. Can you tell us about it? Um, the thing I am I just recently made, or that I'm working on building even bigger, is... <laughs> that's some great noise back there. It's yeah. Princess World, a game of girls who rule. Which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game of diverse princesses dealing with diverse problems and diverse relationships. And it was inspired by my daughter. My daughter pitched it to me when she was three and a half. That, that, that's a worrying sign. If, if your child no. can pitch something that successful, it's like, yeah, kid, you're going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, it was really good. Like she, I'd, had, I'd had my first game published, which uh, is a game called The Ward, Modern Medical Drama. 
which is like a game about doctors and nurses. Oh, you play doctors and nurses. It's like uh, Grey's Anatomy or uh, House or ER or Scrubs, those kind of things. Um, so once I had that published, then she wanted a game that... That was a game I wrote for myself. She wanted me to write a game for her. So I did. <laughs> awesome. Was she really involved in the process? Uh, she did a lot of brainstorming in the early stages. Just I wanted to get a feel of what she was looking for. Um, she had a solid like sort of mental concept, but she was three and a half at the time. So... Um, she had a hard time articulating exactly what she wanted, but her and I, we sat down and we talked about princess. It's obviously about princesses, but it wasn't, she wasn't looking at, uh, I mean, they are represented there, but she wasn't looking at like your basic sort of standard princess that you think of, like the crown and gown mm -hmm. kind of thing. She wanted pirate princesses and warrior princesses and space princesses. So we brainstormed and we came up with nine core princesses. We're up to... Uh, I think we're up to 16 now, but there's nine core sort of playbooks. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. So uh, everything's got a sort of an archetypical playbook that you structure your character within. But from her ideas, 14 of the 16 concepts we have were based on her ideas. Okay. I mean, it, it sounds like uh, you know, this is a this is young entrepreneur slash, you know, marketing genius person. It's like, look, here's the core demographics we want to hit. Oh, and she nailed it. She nailed the, the princesses it. The princess that want this. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting um, when I pitch the game. To, so my target demographic uh, is primarily uh, children 9 to 13, particularly girls or those who identify as girls. Um, and uh, sometimes you talk to them about this stuff and you say princesses, and they're in that point where they're, like, kind of turned off by princesses. And you're like, oh, really? So you don't think a skateboard princess would be cool? And their eyes kind of widen. And you're like, what about a pirate princess? And they're like, eyes get wider. So that's, there's definitely some interesting buy-in. Um, and it's not just... I mean, you can play a princess that just wears a crown and gown and has a scepter and tells people what to do. You can definitely do that, but it's not the only princess. Would, would you maybe call that just like a, a princess princess? Or they just, she's, they just need She them? is called the proper princess. The proper princess. That's correct. How very British. Yes, exactly. She can be. With it. Because... It's, the game is designed to allow the players to really experiment and, and be creative with the concept. So you can have a proper princess. And basically her core concept is that she's about uh, having social strength and also being able to give orders. So she's about order and giving orders. Mm -hmm. So um, we've had princesses, uh, proper princesses, that were businesswomen. So they were like executives. So like a CEO or like a vice Prince, or vice president of acquisitions, and she would tell people what to go do. So this is more when adults play it. They, they really can change things up. But we once had a monkey princess who was a proper princess. So things that are proper in monkey culture were radically different from what the human characters were expecting, which was really cool. That is really cool because, I mean, that opens up kids to start questioning, okay, well, what norms, what norms do I have and how are they different to other people's norms? And starts to even kind of like destigmatize and demystify a lot of things that we shouldn't stigmatize, stigmatize or mystify. Rather, I think it, it, it's kind of that path to appreciation of other cultures and other people. And that's beautiful. That is, a, that is actually a core underlying, um, I guess, pillar that the game rests upon is actually that questioning, like examining and questioning what words mean and what concepts mean and why you think they're important or not or how you don't don't realize why they're important um, and experimenting with that. And th that's a very hard, strong um, 
design uh, influence in the game. Okay. Um, these design decisions were these. You know, you you said a lot of this was driven by your daughter. I mean, what was the designs? Sorry. <sighs> what was the length of design time that went into that? Because you said she was three and a half when you started. Well, it's to tell you the truth. The um, she pitched it to me in October, twenty seventeen. And there's a game design convention in uh, New Jersey, Morristown, New Jersey, which is called uh, Metatopia. And it's um, it's for game designers to come and bring their sort of in-work, pro or their works in progress. And the players come not to play games, but to play test games, which is a very different mindset. And I only had like one thing on my plate for this, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So in the span of two weeks, we got our core stuff down um, that I could pitch for a focus group. Uh, just to see if it worked or not. And then by the February of 2018, I had uh, probably the bare bones of a playable game. Okay, that's very cool. So um, the process I, I took was, um, because it was kind of the reverse of my usual process, but what we did is we decided who are the characters, what will they do, and how will they do it? And that got us the playbooks, which is... Mm -hmm. The, the character books or the like the classes kind of thing um the basic moves like the sort of actions they can take and then we wound up the last thing was the, their stats so just using that we were able, i was able to come up with there's four basic stats for the characters which are their their poise which is like their sort of self-control their decorum but also their ability like to focus there is pluck which is like their luck and audacity and uh, kind of like their bravery. There's persuade, which is their ability to like convince others or change other people's minds or kind of like their charm and empathy. And then there's punch, which is like their physical presence and their sort of combat ability. So it, it all I, I, distilled I do like down. The, um, the alliteration. Yeah, I'm, we're, we really worked hard on that to, to make sure that, it, that all the stats had P's in them. Excellent. Gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> I, I remember seeing like Louis Thoreau was doing a podcast or something that he was recording at home and he said as a bonus, like, you'll hear like our home noises. It's like, yeah, this is proving I'm very definitely human. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my guys um, down to bed just before we started this. I'm just, I'm waiting for the door behind me to open and someone to come in and go, dad, could you be a little more quiet? Dad, I need a story like right now, like one of your good yeah. long ones. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so you, you said you've designed other things, but I mean, you know, what we're doing right now with this series of podcasts is we're discussing how to play with kids. William, Nyet. Bye-bye. William, that's because I'm Nyet. Bye-bye. William. Okay, a lot of this is going to be edited. Yeah, no worries. Hey, I've, I, I have kids and I've done podcasts, so I know. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay, that was that that was mildly funny. I will give that one. That one was a funny. But yeah, unfortunately, don't you tell him. He's Do not tell him. I thought it was funny. <clears throat> okay, so what I do? Can I ask you how did you introduce your children to role play games? Because at the moment, I've got one of them going, and the other one's probably not got the focus yet to sit down and yeah, play. I could sense that. Um, basically how I got them into it is I let them watch me play with my adult friends. 
as long as it okay. wasn't like a like a heavy duty adult game. But if we were playing um, any kind of adventure games, um, that they were more than welcome to watch and uh, see what was going on. So, for my son, he was really intrigued, um, and for his seventh birthday, um, he wanted to have a party. And I pitched to him whether he'd want me to run an adventure game for his friends. And he totally jumped all over that. So uh, we put together a real quick a Dungeon World game. Sorry, I thought <laughs> no, with Minecraft no on, I could get a no few No worries minutes. at all. There is going to yes. be so much editing. That's we'll okay. keep the in, though, because that yeah, was I like the, the raspberries are good. The raspberries are good. Yeah, the raspberries are great. <laughs> My favorite fruit. Human. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you designed a game for your child using the um, the, the dungeon world system. So yeah, we did. We ran a system. We ran a. Uh, there's a, something called One Shot World, which is like a distilled version of Dungeon World. And um, he got to, he picked the friends he wanted. I said he could have himself and five friends. So we were going to run like a standard sort of six person adventure. Um, and I used the the basic adventure from Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. I think it's mm -hmm. called the like the Minds of Pendelarin or something. Um, Lost Minds of Pendelver. Pendelver, that's it. I yeah, it was a I'm word. running. I'm currently running that at two different tables. One for oh, my cool. nine year old and some of his friends to like keep them socialized, and one for some friends <coughs> of mine from church to keep them socialized. So. Nice, nice. So yeah, I, d I took it. Uh, I don't. I suspect they're in that room though. So you ran Lost Minds of Pendelver. <laughs> Yeah, so I it took it took it and just converted it to like Dungeon World esque stuff. I mean, just very lightly, and uh, he made a character, and he he made a character that he sort of made on in secret. Like we were building the characters together, and he had an idea, like with the other uh, players, and he had this great idea. Like so, other people are picking their characters. I mean, they're picking fighters, they're picking barbarians, they're doing all this stuff, and I'm like, Sebastian, what do you got? He's like, I'm playing. I want to play the bard. He said, and I'm like, I was really shocked. I mean, it seemed like not a very uh, like a kid choice because I was like okay but that's interesting and then he he introduced his character and her name was Floria and she was an elven bard with a family with children um, her partner takes care of the kids when she was out adventuring mm -hmm. um, and he built this entire backstory for her had lots of hooks and I'm like this is your first character ever and this is like this is like an elite gamers character and I asked him later why he wanted to play the bard. And his answer was, I wanted a character that would be making stories and telling stories. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn, slam dunk. Yeah, no, Straight so he nailed it. And yeah. uh, he and his friends have had a good time. We've played, it's now obviously in quarantine has been tough, but we played about six sessions, if I recall correctly. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a focus thing. I mean, we only play for two hours, if that. Like the kids rapidly lose focus. I I, um, I keep it to one and a bit hours per session with kids. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, and and we play online, so it's even like mm -hmm. less. And keeping them engaged, probably the hardest thing to do is to convince them to not draw on the roll twenty map. Oh yeah. Okay. I haven't used that, so yeah. But I bet. Yeah. It's 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 a thing. But yeah, I mean that 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 level of focus is one thing. But I guess. And I imagine you found this as well. Like, if you keep the sessions to the right timing, the kids stay engaged. 
Yeah. And you we can give to... the right cliffhangers there too. Exactly. I was just going to say about cliffhangers. I tried to really keep things so that they would be thinking about it for the next time they were going to play. Very good. Sorry. Everyone, there's going to be so much editing on this. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know, I know. No, no, dude. It's not your it's... fault. Like, No, no. I'm enjoying well, it. I'm of, laughing because well, I can... One of my, one of my friends... We're, we're, we're arranging another collaboration. Um, and one of them said, I keep forgetting Josh lives in our future. And that's probably the best way to look at times. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's yeah. hilarious. So if yeah, anyone, that's if like... anyone's worried about tomorrow, I can assure you. It's okay. Things are it's here. It arrived. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, Sebastian yeah. has a, a pen pal in New Zealand, and they we try to like get these video calls going every so often. So um... Oh, lovely. Uh, which part of New Zealand? Oh, man. Is there a place called Christchurch? Is that something? No, There is, yes. Not. It's one of the major cities. Yeah. That that would be it. <laughs> yeah. I, I lived in New Zealand for a few years, so I okay. know a little bit about it. You know a little bit about it. Yeah, we were... Really? I, my wife and I, before we had the kids, we were in... Uh, in Australia, she, she had a work placement there, so we tacked two weeks of vacation on that. We were in Sydney and Melbourne, a week in each city. Oh, lovely! So, well, you're, hey, if you're ever down here, you know, let us know. You know, we'll, for sure, we'll have to do coffee and let the kids run around and be twits. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because yeah, because I mean, obviously, it's one place, right? We go to Australia, everyone's there. <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone's in Sydney. No one's in any other city. There's no other city yeah. that's important in this country at yeah. all. Yeah, uh, we we really enjoyed Melbourne. Melbourne's nice. It's got a very very high livability, and it's probably the city that I'd want to live in most if I didn't have things keeping me here. So yeah, and you can you can go all the way to Zone Two. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um. So with your with your little girl, and she was pitching this to you she was involved in the process um again like so the um the, the time length of this what was the rough time or did you answer that already and i just didn't notice because my children were carrying on in the background yeah, the, the, to basically get it to a rough but playable form it was about three months and uh, and it's been That's a process and no it's like yeah it, it really worked so I went to the metatopia convention and I had two pieces of paper very sparsely mm. filled um, just with the sort of core ideas and conceits of the game. And it was really well received in uh, in the groups that I I ran. I didn't actually run it. It wasn't playable at the time. But the groups that I showed it to and discussed it to were really, really um, encouraging. So that really, and, and also with Freya basically looking over my shoulder with her, <laughs> with her Can small, great, her. Was, was she at any of these meetings or sessions Oh no! And... I mean, this, yeah, that would have been amazing. Her sitting there just watching me. Um, no, she wasn't at any of the sessions. She does. She was in the Kickstarter video. If you want to see her and hear her pitch it, um, it the Kickstarter is successfully completed. It's over, but the video's still up, and it, we reenacted uh, the story of her pitching it to me. So, if you want to hear her pitch, it's pretty. I, cute, I can just I imagine. I can just imagine like a three and a half slash four year old getting the butch paper out and saying, "What do people want?" Yeah, <laughs> they want to be princesses. That's right. That's right. But what do people also want to be? Can we bring these two together? Can we? Can we synergize this? Yes. I don't know if she knew the word synergize at that time. I don't know if she does now. But yeah, she was. It was a great idea. And like she's, she calls it her game. She always asks if I run it at conventions. Do people like my game? So. 
Oh, and seem, but people She's... people seem to like it. This is a child to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she's trouble. Like, well, yeah. No, she's. Uh, both my kids are are. The teenage years are going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. I mean, it can go yeah. either way. It's. Um, but it's. Can it's I ask you a question? Uh, you know, parent to parent. For if sure. If you had to pick which of your children is going to run some kind of organized crime. Oh, Freya. Freya. It's always the 100%. second one, isn't it? Well, we we. we... <laughs> My friend had this idea that they to make my kids into superheroes, and then in the end, like we read a comic about it, and in the end, it would turn out Freya was actually the villain. Like that, just people. She's like she's super sweet, and she's like really like um, empathetic. But it's just like you could see her like she's like I'm. She would be like a super villain that's like I'm gonna make the world better, but it's gonna hurt. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> that is my. Second little man is like mm-hmm. he's the intense one, yeah. who is going to. He's always yeah. hitting me. He hits a lot of people, Joseph. He doesn't just focus on you. No, he hits me. Well, that's because you're there. When you're when someone else is here, he hits them. Yeah, my 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 youngest brother has compared compared him to like a Dark Souls player, in that he always <coughs> like tries to get behind you for the backstab bonus. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. but he's William has character. Sometimes too much character. Yeah, they can be quite a character. Yeah. Oh, well, part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've said that you've designed several games. Um, yes. Can I ask what what of those designs would be the most notable? Do you think outside of Princess World? Ooh, I guess it depends what you call notoriety. But yeah, Princess World, definitely my top one right now. Um, I have a medical drama game, uh, which I mentioned, that's been well-received. Partic- I interviewed a lot of medical professionals, actually, too. That's what I do, generally, with my game design, is a, either the target demographic or what the game is about. I try to do research, and if it's about people, to actually talk to those people. Um, Makes sense. So I did that with Princess World, where I actually talked to my target demographic. So I would talk to girls age um, like 9 to 13 and got some incredible insights that really helped with the design. Um, with the medical stuff, uh, my wife's a medical professional, so I talked to her colleagues and some of our friends and just sort of started to get the, the behind-the-scenes stuff going. And that's what the game, sort of the medical game's about. My other games are super small and sort of unknown. <laughs> I've got, and they're on like itch, like itch.io. I've got some stuff and... My, the very first game I ever put out was... Have you ever heard of Lasers and Feelings? Um, there's a game, there's a game called it. Lasers and Feelings. Oh, we yeah, played cool. it on our other podcast. Cool. We had like a, um, a six or seven part arc. We, we, yeah, we played like six or seven hours um, as like our, part of our weekly... Like we're taking a break from Fifth Ed Dungeons and Dragons to play this. And we had a stupid good time. Yeah, for sure. So I did was a little you? hack... No, 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 no. God, no. Oh, okay. That's uh, John Harper, I think. Um, I think it was, yeah. I just threw my brain for a second. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I was was doing that to to mess with you, but I did a little hack reskin called Magic and Mischief, um, which is sort of a Harry Potter-esque version of Lasers and Feelings. So you're magical kids at a magical school dealing with magical problems. And I've got that on drive-thru. And I just found out that it's almost, it's free, 
Um, but almost a thousand people have downloaded it. I was like, I just had, I'd never run the report on it because it's free. Hmm. <clears throat> so I did like the sales report and it's like almost a thousand people had downloaded it. That's and amazing. I like hear, I hear nothing about it though. Like no one ever says, Hey, you're the guy who, so. Well, I'll be sure to make sure that I mention. I've, I know the guy who sure. did Magic and Mischief. Magic and Mischief. <laughs> and uh, then I've got some sad games on Itch. Again, these were these are games that kind of like were pitched by my kids. My kids like give me these ideas, or I guess they plant seeds in my mind. And um, so after I did Princess World, my son, who was older, like he's he's nine now, he must have been it's almost, he's been eight or maybe he was seven and a half when he pitched this to me. He's like, Dad, now you got to make me a game, and I got a great idea. And I'm like, Cool, what is it? He's like, You got to make a game about Pokemon. And I like look at him and I say, Seb, Pokemon is the game about Pokemon. And he's like, Oh yeah, I guess that's right. But that planted a seed in my head. And I was like thinking and thinking and thinking. It was like bubbling away. And um, I went to Gen Con this past year and I played some card-based story games like where there's cards that prompt you to do things. Mm -hmm. And it like, it was this break, uh, like a breakthrough for the game. So I made this game, it's called Fighting Monsters. And it's about being the Pokemon. Like what's it like to be these small creatures that like mm. live these peaceful lives and then someone comes and takes you away and forces you to fight in battles. And that's what the game's about. It's about dealing with like, like yeah. post-traumatic stress and uh, like Oof. societal collapse. <laughs> and, that's uh, because, a tough like, one for these... kids. Yeah, exactly. So it's about... my son loves the idea. Like, he's never played it, but it's a very adult game. But uh, it's like, what's it like when? Uh... It it reminds me of um. There's a game a friend of mine told me about. I think it's called um, Yes Master or Please Master or something. And you're Is essentially life, like in my life with master. I think it is. It's when you're an eagle. Yes, um, yes. I've, I've sorry, never played it, but the, yeah. I, I use the term uh, eagle in the, um, in the Pratchett-esque sense. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're like a major henchman. Or... The hench person. Yeah, yes. you are the person of hench. Yes. <laughs> the hench honcho. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good. Well, the head good. The, head, the, the head, hun head hencho. Yeah, that, yes. you know, I wonder if it, that, we may have just made something new there. That, that would be cool. If, if that turns into a game pitch, like, okay, let's comedically make head hencho. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's, that's let's, we could collab. We could collab. Yeah. Just, you're, you're essentially like, you, you play with, say, three or four other people, and each of you is trying to become, you know, the head hencho mm -hmm. to master. And so it's this <laughs> game of, like, backbiting influence. Mm -hmm. But you yeah. can't, but because the master needs all these people of hench, you can't just bump people off. The yeah. heroes have to bump you off, not... The, the, yeah, the master doesn't it's, want infighting. It's it's that risk reward thing. It's like okay, there's a hero coming. We all need to work together to win. But how can I make sure that I come out of this with? Yeah, there's a game in that. That there that is definitely a gameable thing. Let's let's, I, I think let's, put, let's let's put that on the notebook. I, I think on it's the called the American po political system. Oh, let's um, not go there. I'm not American. <laughs> I live in America, but I'm not American. I'm a Canadian, I and I, I, I get yeah. I'm inside this crazy. Uh, unstable warp bubble i don't know yeah. we can edit that I, out i don't need to I, talk politics here that's all the politics we need to mention yes <laughs> let's play some games yeah. um yeah let's talk about playing games with kids so um yeah no oh, know, playing games. so of, i've got a i've got a game scheduled with five grade fivers to play princess world like Ooh. in the next few days um, okay. we've already made their character they've already made their characters they've worked out part of, one of the things you do with 
one of my, the secrets of my game design is like I hate prep. As the game master, I hate prep. Like doing hours and hours of stuff and then the players go and do something else, right? Like, so why even do it? So I design my games now. Almost all my games are designed so that the prep happens at the table and it's generally uh, based on the creativity and input of the other players. Mm. So it's almost like just a note-taking collation thing and in initial start uh, for the game master and most of my game design. So with Princess World, we've made their characters or they've made their characters. Um, it's a group thing you've got to make. In Princess World, you definitely have to be together when you make your characters. Um, there are certain sort of uh, rule effects when you're generating ideas for your characters that the other players get to judge and they get mm. to say whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. So you can't just make a character by yourself, which is intentional. Um, and then everyone goes around the table, including the game master who is called the that, weaver. That is and, really uh, cool. Can I just stop you and say, that's really yeah, cool. Sure. Um, that collaborative character making like that's, I, I think that's excellent. I don't know. who. Okay. A lot of Apocalypse World games, like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games, have things like that. But there's rare. Mm. I, I wanted there to be more player input. Um, yeah. It works kind of as a it works kind of as a safety tool in that if someone's doing some of their character that other people are like, oh really? That they can actually articulate that at the table within mm. sort of a um, a structure or a framework. Um, and I, I guess it also player... keeps um, other play players from quarterbacking too much. Yes, there's that too. Mm. That's excellent. Um, That's a really cool then, system. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And it, it adds also then people are talking at the table, like talking about your character choices. So why mm. did you choose to do this? Or, or had you thought of like, and also having input, like I want to do this on my character. Does anyone have any ideas like how I could phrase that? Because the power of words is a strong component of the game too. Um, everyone has four essential truths about their character. And that's truths with a capital T. Um, and you say these out loud. These are sentences you say about your character. And they're basically like your powers and abilities. Um, and the other players get to say, oh, I think that might cause you some problems. That's an amazing power, but I think it might cause mm. you problems. And then the player, other player decides they want to keep it. and being, So it's awesome, but they also have problems. Or try to re reword it and see if they can uh, get rid of that problem. But having problems on your characters is fun because it gives you hooks. It gives you yes. potential for trouble. And then the players also then collaborate, including the game master, the weaver, um, on generating problems that are in the world. Like everyone gets to say something that's wrong or, mm. or an issue. And then the players themselves, without the weaver's input, decide which they're going to tackle. So okay. then the weaver so, has so to it's, be... A... It's, it's a bit microscopy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I haven't actually played microscope. I know the concepts. Um, I but yeah, I can definitely. <laughs> I would love to play microscope. Um, but yeah, it's that. It's collaborative and you generate the world and then... You haven't generated the solutions. You've only generated the problems, and you're going to play to find out what mm. or if or when there's a solution. Okay, that, that sounds cool. Also, because I mean, you've also got that wonderful feedback system of like, here is my problem, and here is how it connects to all of the world building that everyone else has done at the table. Yes, and I've I've, I've honestly found like a lot of my world building stuff comes from that interaction with the players like when i put a thing out there and then they give me something else yes and i think they they feel investment and buy-in when they do that yeah. which i think is like you can make up as much cool stuff as you want as a gm if the players aren't interested in it then it's just it's not necessarily wasted creativity but i don't know i, th I think it's wasted effort for that game then 
I'm I'm very much about, and I think I've it's been it's it's taken me some time to learn this. Like, don't I'm don't let me tell you why you're on the adventure. Oh yeah, that's yeah yeah yeah. You, you, you tell want... me, mate. I'll work with it. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. I mean, part of the so with princess role, and I'm, I'm trying to put this in most of my game design is like. Often they tell you in games, they tell the dungeon master what or game master, whatever, what they're supposed to do. But they never actually tell the players what the players are supposed to do. Not what their characters are supposed to do. But what's the what are the players who are playing um, protagonists? What's their goal in a role-playing or story game? Hmm. To, is it to win? Is it to tell a good story? Is it to follow the GM's guidelines? Like, what is it? So I try hmm. to put that in all my games. And... For mine, for Princess World, it's like embrace getting into trouble. Like, don't avoid having your character get in. Like, your character might avoid these things, right? Like, it's the player's agenda, not the mm. character's agenda. So if the players make are embracing... Make interesting choices. Yes, make interesting choices, play dangerously, um, or don't, don't play safe. But maybe your character wants to, and then, oh my gosh, they're getting into so much problems. No, my proper princess does not want to get her dress all muddy by going into the swamp of eternal stench. But that's the only place you can go to get the, like so. As and as the player being excited, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my princess when she has to deal with this? And, and, it, it and being excited. Me of a, um, I I did one of these with Grant Howard, and oh nice nice. I asked him, you know, what's your advice, and he said, make interesting choices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, you know. It doesn't mean make stupid choices. No, that's, like, that's you know, because a stupid choice isn't interesting. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean, and, and I love the way he framed it because he's got he's got this beautiful gift with words. He says <clears throat> roughly, and I'm not going to attempt his accent because I respect him too much, and I know I can't do it. <laughs> Don't go and do a poo on the king. That's just a stupid choice. Make an interesting one. Steal the prince. Argue with the king. I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you're playing in a long-form campaign, maybe don't hurl yourself at the dragon with just, you know, a dagger. But yes. if you're playing a one-shot and death is all... And, 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 and a good death will make it interesting, then have the interesting death. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, but I, particularly yeah. in one-shots. Like, don't, don't hedge your bets in a one-shot. Yeah, I deliberately killed my one-shot character when we played Lasers and Feelings. Oh, wow. Um, because it made sense. It was like, no, no, no. Quango would go out in a blaze of glory. Um, you know, he overloaded a shuttle's engines, and the joke we made was it's the best bang he's ever had in a shuttle. You know, it's how <laughs> nice. he'd want to go out. Nice. <laughs> Doing what he loved. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I, I would agree, and, and I think that's when you've got that feedback loop and also like that safety tool where everyone has like those shared expectations and that negotiated, almost like a negotiated outcome or negotiated methodology, mm-hmm. that's great because you've suddenly got all that buy-in in session zero, and that's beautiful. No, that's, that's, that's right, and it's they feel that they own part of the world or whatever you want to call it. So that's like they're invested in helping it, saving it, whatever. Um, yeah, that's, and, and that's, and they're engaged and they yeah. feel that they're, and especially with kids, like rewarding their creativity or allowing them to be creative. And I mean, this thing that I'm running now with these grade fivers, they put out some, 
there are some incredibly like tough problems that they generated and it's going to be intriguing to see how they uh how their princesses try to work these things out i think that's going to be very cool i'd, I'd love to know more about that um, um the only thing yeah i wish i i I'd like to talk to the parents, but it's probably too late to start now, but whether I can record it or not. I mean, that's the thing with dealing with kids. Um, you'd have to get all these permissions um, from parents. And I mean, I know their parents, most of them I know pretty well, but not all of them. Um, mm. But yeah, it would be, I'm going to, yeah, I'll touch base with some of them to see if I can but record. The worst they can say is no. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I mean, look, if you need an editor, um, I don't know how <laughs> much time I'll have to offer, but you know, I'll, I'll happily... I've, I've done this way too much, so for sure, I can, for sure. I can at least give you some tips. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got, I definitely have some good podcast friends that, that I can reach out if I need to do that. Um, but yeah, it's again, this will be our first online game. I don't know what the technical hiccups might be, um, and uh, but yes, I will, I will, I'm gonna, I'll contemplate it. But yes, yeah, dealing with kids. Um, it's interesting because with Princess World, uh, I've played it a lot more with adults than I have with kids. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to see the different approach that adults take or bring to the game than kids bring to the game. So generally, adults play it pretty light and like not necessarily silly, but um, lighthearted. There can be silliness. Um, and when kids bring it, they play it serious. Like they're having fun. But the problems, mm. like the problems that we're facing in this next story, um, are like kind of like influenced by real world problems. And it's like they're going to try to solve some real world problems, like in a fantasy world or an adventure world. But you can definitely see the influence, and it's interesting that the kids want to bring this, um, and, and see if they can figure out solutions, which is neat. It is neat, and I was just kind of, I guess, struck by the idea that, um, you know, kids pretend to be adults, where adults try to pretend to be kids. Yes, and that's kind of what I found when I was like looking at uh, role-playing games and story games for kids, is that one of the common things that often seems to be there is that you are still playing kids. You're still playing an apprentice. You're still playing a young knight. You're still playing a teenager that nobody believes. So when I was like talking to kids about like what they wanted from games, guess what? They don't want that. <laughs> they don't want to play a kid. They don't want to play... Um, someone who has no agency, who has to earn their place. Um, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of games that just assume that, or like that there's going to be adult guidance that you, even if your characters are going to have an adult guidance. Um, but what, what I found, um, particularly in my demographic, is that this is what it was sort of distilled down to. They wanted characters that looked cool and could do cool things. So I, I embrace that. So in Princess World, the princesses, they're not the rulers of their kingdoms or their realms or whatever, but they mm. are expected to get things done. They have agency, um, they have responsibility, and they have the ability to do things. Um, and they're expected to do things. They don't have to earn their place. They, just have, they already have it. They now have mm. to go do it. They have to go solve things. They're troubleshooters. They're diplomats. They're whatever. They're, not, uh, they're there at the front line. And when kids play it, they really seem to embrace that, which is very, very cool to me. I think that's very cool. That's very, very cool. Um, so uh, I've got time for a couple more questions before I've got to go, you know, be a responsible parent. Um, Not a problem. What I did want to ask is with Session Zero with kids, what I found with D&D is it is tricky. And like The Lost Minds of Pandora is great because it says, right, here's your four race choices. 
Here's your forecast choices. Pick. And yes. it's even with some pre-gens. But what I found sometimes, like, the way you have to communicate that to kids is like, okay, here are your four options or three options with classes, like, you know, with, with the, with, okay, with the kids who aren't my kid, I yeah, who say, don't? like, you've got three choices, mage, fighter, or thief, or rogue, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, they were, they were all pretty good. They all picked different things, which was great. Um, and my boy picked a cleric and he's wanting to change to a druid because, you know, wild shape. You know, yeah, for that? sure. That's a, that's a good ability. Solid. Um, but what I found was like trying to impart information and maintain enthusiasm is somewhat tricky. How would you approach this? I guess because I found like I haven't played fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I started, I'm a veteran of the editions. I started with edition one, two, three, four. I've gone through them all. Just haven't played five yet. And there's so much information there that that's why I went with like Dungeon World or like even the streamline, like the streamlined one shot world is that there was a lot less information to impart. Um, and I think it's, for me, it was getting the basics of what a role playing game is versus what how the rules of a specific role playing game work. And that's how I that's the approach I took. And that's particularly what it's like so it's super simple dice mechanics. Um and basically with with like a Power by the Apocalypse thing, it's like just filling in checkboxes. Like mm. here are some here are three options. Click one. Here are three two things you can pick between. Which one do you like? Um, and just going that way. So I found it with with a simpler game. I mean, with with other games, like with my Magic and Mischief game, it's super, super small. You're just going to write down a few things. You're going to basically write their character's name, something they're good at. And I think starting that simple, once they understand how a role-playing game works, that sort of back-and-forth conversation we're going to have, and we're going to roll dice or whatever when we resolve uncertainty, then I think they're like, oh, I get it. And then you can start layering things on. Um, hmm. and on Dungeons and Dragons there's a lot of cool things but I think there's a, so much to know and I think part of that is um, especially with kids that they might have that sort of fear of failing or making a stupid choice because they don't know so they make no choice at all mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but that's that's the feel I've gotten um, when trying to like explain role playing games to kids like it's almost okay, like a pretty solid. Like I mean, it's kind of like um, say with power outage, and I know what you do is you ask the kid what kind of superhero do you want to be, mm-hmm. and then you as the adult do most of the number crunching and data yes. input. Yes, power outage definitely is like that's a, that's a great I think a great approach because I think it's once, I mean, kids are used to telling stories. Kids are used to listening to stories. They play their imaginative games when they're running back and forth uh, on the playground. So. Hmm. They understand imagining being someone else, but they don't usually imagine how do I resolve a story? How do I tell a story with other people where there's other inputs? Um, and especially with a, with role-playing games where there's maybe five different people with five different inputs that there's going in and how do you mix this together? So I think there's a lot, so many moving parts that can be overwhelming. I mean, even new players who are adults can have problems with this. And it's like, oh yeah, just roll your dice now. Just roll your dice now. Um, and I don't think that's quite as satisfying. And I think that's how sometimes you get people that are just new into role playing. Um, and it's like, oh, all I did was roll dice. Yeah. I, I guess it's, it's one of those things where like, 
Well, actually, okay. One of the things I like about Lost Minds of Fandelra is your first encounter is combat. Mm-hmm. Your first couple of combat. And then you come to the one with the wolves in the cave. And that's where you can say, okay, but what if not combat? Well, that's that was what they see. Exactly. That was very cool. So with uh, my, Sebastian and his friends, they were deciding what to do. Um, and they didn't know what was in there. And mm. the Druid's character, or the Druid's player was like, I got a great idea. And everyone's like, mm. well, what's that? He's like, I'm going to wild shape into a wolf. I can pretend I'm one of their wolves and they're going to, I'm going to let them capture me and take me in. And all the, like the kid players were like, that's amazing. But I imagine, I imagine adult players going, no, no, don't split the party. Right. So because these kids had no expectation of like in a story, I mean, they were coming in as a story, not as a role playing game in a story. That's exactly what would happen. Right. That is solid. Like you would have. So I'm like, this is great. So they did that and he was able to scout things out. And they were able to pass information back and forth, various means. And that made a much more exciting story than like, oh, let's just storm the caves or whatever. Um, well, that's, that's, so, that's a really, that is a really cool, solid way of doing that. Yeah. Respect. And that's, I think, well, yeah, oh, no, totally. This is uh, one of Sebastian's good friends, uh, Colin, shouting up to Colin. Um, but yeah, and everyone applauded it. And everyone thought, yeah, splitting the party, that's no big deal. I mean, we I'd had... Be, um, I'd be handing like... Mate, inspiration for the rest of the oh, session. Oh, yeah, no, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And again, this is with playing with new players and especially with kids where they don't have the expectation of what's right or wrong mm. it, to do. They want to tell a story. They understand telling stories. Um, and when when you let, and particularly with Powered by the Apocalypse games, you can let failure be something interesting versus just a miss. Like, uh, when you roll a miss on the dice, it doesn't mean you necessarily missed your attack or missed what you wanted to do. It means that there's a consequence, and usually a big one. And I think kids get that. Um, yeah. I, I like the approach of um, Swordsfall, or his, his design approach, which was, um, I want it to be no and, and yes but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the binary state is, is boring, and I agree, mm-hmm. it is. So, so I agree with, look, if there's, if there's a way that you can work with your players to bring in, like, okay, you failed this, but you could set something up, mm-hmm. or you succeeded, but there's going to be something, I, I yes. think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, just having the binary can be very disappointing, particularly if someone, tr- this is what, it punishes people taking risks with their characters that their characters might not be good at, but would be mm. the thing that a character would do in the situation. So uh, to incentivize that, uh, or at least not, or to reward the player. So the player would be like, oh, I didn't just screw up. Like, oh, my character sucks. Um, but like, wow, that was amazing. Now, how are we going to get out of this? Like, I mean, that's the kind of snowball you want to build. You want that rolling down the hill. Hmm. No, I think that's true. And um, Kevin, one last question. And this is a question sure. that I ask um, everyone. How do you, how do you do your self-care or what do you do for self-care? Oh boy, that's a pretty broad question. Um, whew, I like just like in general. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Not, not, um, spe- not specific for this time of chaos and earthquakes. Oh yeah, there's a little which, yeah. This if, is there's if a little. If anyone much... wants an excellent metal recommendation, chaos and earthquakes, earthquakes by nonpoint. Okay, I'll check it out. Freya is into some is is into metal. She used to be. 
her and I were the only ones who would listen to any metal at all. And it would only be when we were driving in the car. And it's like everyone, if my wife was in the car, we couldn't get listen her, to it. If my, get, get her into Glory Hammer. Well, she, she really likes baby metal. I know some people don't think that's metal, but. No, it they is got, metal. It's in the it's title. Metal. It's, got, it's in the title. So, yeah, she was, she was a big baby metal fan. Um, but for my personal self-care, um, probably playing with the kids. Um, I do some, I have miniature, like a hobby. I could, I could show you on the camera here, but not your viewer, your listeners won't be able to see it, but like miniature war games. I, I can also see a sword in the back corner of the room. Wait, oh, that's cool. Yeah, Joseph, he's got a sword. At least yeah, I, one. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple. I got. Oh yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah and there's I one, there's a fencing sword in that box. And then uh, oh. I, have a, I have a plastic katana down here. Um, sometimes I go in costume, I have my plastic katana if I cosplay. Um, nice. I play sort of video games and uh, I bike. And let's see Good what man. else do I do. Stay hydrated. You got to drink water. That's, that, that, it's, that's, it's, 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 self-care is often very much about like your mental state, but your physical state influences no, I, that I, I so agree. strongly. They're, they're both. They're both. Yeah. You know, you need, you need to take care of both, really. Yeah, the mind-body problem, as it were. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, Kevin, if, if people want to look up your game, get in contact with you, how can they do that? Um, the best place is to find me on Twitter, which is at Kevin Petker. So it's just my name squished together with an at at the front. Um, if you Google Princess World, I think I'm the top. Like, I, I didn't purposely like search engine op optimization myself, but it seems to have happened. Um, but yeah, Twitter, and uh, if you look for Kevin Petker on itch, um, you should mm -hmm. be able to find me there too. Those are like, yeah, if you want to talk to me or communicate with me, Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, and then we can email or whatever. And if you want to find my games, it's me, it's Kevin Petker, um, on itch.io. Um, I have one game with magpie games, which is the ward, my medical game. You can find it there. Just, it's an ash can. So it's a 48 page quick play and that's kind of going to be probably my next project like my next big project once princess world is finalized is expanding that um yeah that's and, it. and that's the upcoming me. head head show yes <laughs> head, head show. oh man that is yes we definitely got to think about that one and, and look at these other sort of like henchman style games my life with master and uh and stuff like that no head head show yeah that's good that and just yeah that i like I have a game that I'm, it's super on my back burner, but that like the rivalry, but we'll also try to accomplish things um, yeah. is a core concept. It's called Semi-Gods and it's about like third string mythological heroes that are trying to make the story be about them. Take that idea and this might be an offline conversation we need to have because I've got sure. someone who might be interested in that and I think you might know them. So okay. we'll, we'll go from there. Um, but Kevin, thank you very much. Um, Thanks, Josh. It's been a pleasure. It was, it was great to see your kids. Um, it was great to hear <laughs> them. I'm glad you didn't constantly. hear mine. Um, that was, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Thank you. And um, everyone, please do check out the, um, the weekly actual play. Uh, check out the Margrave actual play that we're doing as well. And of course, check out more Better Homes and Dungeons where you can find people like Kevin talking about their cool stuff. Bye. Bye.